This episode of Bass Freaks is brought to you by Dunlop Bass Strings. Dunlop Bass Strings are made in California and designed by the players of Dunlop to sound and feel the way a string should. With deep lows, strong fundamental punchy mids, and articulate highs. Dunlop Bass Strings offer a complete line with standard nickel and stainless round wounds, flat wounds, and super brights. They're also available in short, medium, and long scales. So go to jimdunlop.com and check out Dunlop Bass Strings. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. This is a place for all of us bass freaks to chat it up, gain a little insight and inspiration, and have some fun with some great bass players. I'm your host, Josh Paul, and today we have Henrik Linder. Welcome to the show, dude. How are you, man? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. Very happy to have you on the show. Uh, you're in Sweden? Yeah, uh, in Stockholm. Very cool. What's the weather like there right now? Uh, pretty chilly, like it starts to get uh, darker and darker, but, uh, I'm hanging on. Right. So it's nice. Right on. But, I mean, like, it's actually nicer that it gets cold because there's no air conditions a- anywhere. And like summer has been hell. So like it was hard to sleep when it was like a sauna and, uh, <laughs> 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 that's when you just remove all of the clothing and just go for it. Here it is. Yeah, I, yeah, can't, exactly. I can't cool off. <laughs> Yeah, Dude, I'm stoked to have you on here, man. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your history. You know, where you're, okay. where you're from and where you started and how you got to where you are now. Uh, I'm from like a, a small town, like, uh, yeah, 30 kilometers. Like, I don't know what that is in miles, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I do either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like anyone listening, like calculate it on Google or something. But uh, yeah, I'm from there. Uh, like, uh I grew up there and like moved into the city when I was 11 and like started playing bass when I was 13. And uh, how detailed should I be, by the way? Hey, like, go, <laughs> go for it, man. We got time. My first childhood memory. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Tell me about your very first memory in life itself. Uh, yeah, the first, my very first memory in life is like not a good one. Uh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was by a lake and had a sandwich and like a duck that was like the same size as me came up and like snatched it from my hand. Like that's oh. the first thing I remember in life. But you know, so like. So you don't like I, ducks, basically. Yeah, yeah, I like ducks. They're like way smaller now, but that was like a human sized <laughs> duck. <laughs> you know, like it was the same size as me. So it was like. You know, when a bird is that that big, it's scary, you know? But yeah, yeah that's my first memory. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That must have been traumatizing for you to be able to remember that. <laughs> yeah. Right I don't on. know. Like, It's kind of sketchy with those memories. You don't really know if they're accurate, but that's the first I think I remember, at least. I get it. <laughs> uh, what inspired you to play bass? Uh I got really into like the Red Hot Chili Peppers record One of Minute and then it was also a girl that said it was a sexist instrument that I had a crush on so that played actually played a huge part in it. Ah, you're trying to get the girl. I get it. I get it. Yeah, got right. the girl. <laughs> oh, you got the girl. Okay. Cheers yeah. on Hey, fist bump. Fist bump on uh, that. Yeah. It ended 15 years ago, but it was still like we were together for 8 years or something so like it was a good investment like the bass playing. And she was right. She was right. Yeah, the bass yeah. is yeah. a sex instrument for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there was there a particular bass player that you saw and you're like, oh my god, I, I need yeah, to do that. That's what I want to do. Uh, yeah, it was flea for me, like definitely. Uh, so like 
I don't know. I think that's like uh, why I started like wearing makeup and stuff like that when I was a kid as well, because I thought like if you play slap bass, that's what you got to look like because it was like Dave Navarro and Flea. They had like all these like black eye makeup and I was like, yeah, I want to play like that kind of bass lines that I'm supposed to look like that. So it was, <laughs> it was kind of weird. But... <laughs> that's awesome though. That's awesome that you were that inspired and that much of a fan to, to go through all that to, to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Um, you seem to be, I'm, I was watching a whole bunch of your videos, which I follow you on Instagram and they're always awesome. Um, your, your, I guess, uh, vocabulary is quite vast in theory. And, um, did you study classical or, I studied a little classical when I was a kid, like I started playing piano. So like I learned how to read in classical music, but I don't know any classical theory. And uh, but I, I mean, I, I listened to it like occasionally, but uh, so that was like my first thing with music was like that I read stuff from charts. And okay. then when I started playing bass, I tried to learn everything by ear instead. But that was like uh, a transition, I guess, uh, like uh, going from, from that, but uh and uh, it feels like my sight reading gets worse and worse because now I never do it. So <laughs> right, it it definitely takes practice, right? Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. very bad at it. I haven't done it since high school, so now I'm, it takes me forever. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it happens every now and then, and then you are like, oh yeah, I got to do this again. <laughs> right. How often do you actually have to read with the stuff? But it that you happens do? like every like two, three times a year or something when there's like a bigger production or something and there's charts for stuff. But I usually need to sit with it at home to figure out what's going on and like to learn the songs. And uh, I mean, I could kind of do like when you do it more, like it gets back to you, but it's still like, I'm not really a great sight reader. Okay. Do you enjoy it? Uh, no, actually I prefer <laughs> like not reading. Like, uh, I, I like, uh, when it's, uh, when I don't have to read, I mean, it's a different thing if it's just chord charts as well. Like that's much easier because then you don't have to like, uh, learn about the rhythms and stuff like that. If I play like jazz gigs or whatever, and there's songs that I haven't heard, like then, then I guess I can read chord charts. That's not a problem. But like when, when it's like, uh, notated, that usually takes more time for me. I got it. Do you have a favorite um, style or genre of music? That I mean, when you pick up a bass, typically, what kind of thing do you play? Uh, but I guess it's like some kind of you know like funk jazz thing. I guess <laughs> that's usually like what I uh, what I those kind of gigs is what I get the most. But uh, I don't know, like. I, I don't think there's any like super particular thing. I like doing everything and uh, I like to switch things up. So yeah, it makes, it makes sense, man. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, did you take um, lessons or you self-taught? A... Uh, I started taking lessons from when I was like 14 or something. Uh, so it was like a combination of teaching myself, but I went to like a bunch of music schools and I had uh, the same teacher for a very long time, and he's been very influential for me. His name is uh, Robert Sundin. Uh, and uh, yeah, he just like basically, he was really good at that in a nice way, 
like being able to tell me what I sucked at and like, yeah, <laughs> it, like in, a, in a very motivated way, like he was like kind of hard on me, but I knew that he was not hard on me to be mean. Uh, and he made that like clear. So it was, for me, it was a really good thing. Like I had to still have a very strong like friendship with him and he really took his time with me. Like, uh, I remember like when I was in, it's called gymnasiet in Sweden, like it's age 16 to 19. Uh, the last year I had like uh, the, his last lesson and it was like on Fridays at 2 p.m. And he usually sat with me until the school closed. So he, he like really spent time with me. And uh, I mean, when someone did that, like I also felt like kind of a responsibility to like practice the stuff that he gave me because I didn't want to waste his time either. So yeah, um, yeah he, he was just like a really really good music teacher because he basically told me that my time sucked. So like I had to go do like really basic exercises to fix that because I had no concept how to practice that at all. So, and then I don't know, like he was always good at pointing out things that was not working and could get to the core of that, that problem. And, uh, I don't know, like, yeah, I learned a lot about how to practice from him or like the way I did it, but, uh, I owe him a lot. Like he was, he is a really an amazing teacher. That's killer. I love that. And I love that, um, he actually took the time in a, in a constructive and productive way to inspire, yeah. to inspire you. How, so uh, he said that your time was, uh, maybe not the greatest. What did you do to work on it? Uh, it was basically, he had this pattern thing that, that I had to play like songs in or that had like a quarter note pulse because in order to like feel eight notes the right way, I had to feel the quarter notes the right way. And then I moved on to like do eight notes and triplet feels and 60 notes, but to get like the really basic foundation of it all down first and then move on to harder things, but also like to practice things repetitively uh, to like, uh, uh, you know, like sit with a groove for, two or two bars and played those two bars over and over for like 10 to 30 minutes. It was another teacher that I had like in a funk ensemble that I had with Aaron, the drummer named Annie Filer, and uh, that really had that concept as well. So like he taught me and Aaron how to practice those things. So we did that together as bass and with bass and drum. Aaron is a drummer of their loops, by the way. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was just like, we had this like routine where we, where we practice two bars of something, you know, that felt uncomfortable. Like, uh, I don't know, it could be a shuffle phrasing that was not right or a tempo that was like not feeling great. And then you just sat with it over and over until it like started to feel good. And that was also like um, a, a great way to practice. I really think it's important for bass players to practice with drummers, or at Absolutely. least that was like really good for me. Absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, Pretty much, you know, they're so closely related. Um, what kind of stuff challenges you now? What do you practice? Uh, it's kind of like a weird thing I'm practicing right now. I want to learn how to play counterpoint on on bass, but I can't, you know, like that to keep like improvising and, and having two melodies at once going. And I'm really horrible at it, and it's going to take like forever in order to get that. But that's like a long term goal. I'm I don't really know why, like, I'm not going to get any gigs from that. So it's like kind of stupid, but uh, it's just like, you know, like one of those ideas you have and that, yeah, that I want to like see if I can do. And, uh, 
I like to, you know, challenge myself in that, in that way. I, I don't know, like it might be a total failure and I might never get there, <laughs> but at least like it's, it's fun to dream big. <laughs> hey man, you're challenging yourself and uh, who can hate on that? I think I would like to hear it when you, when you get it down, what are you going to do to practice it? What do you think? Uh, it's just like, I, I'm gonna, like, I, I bought two books and I'm going to like study the theory behind it because I don't know any classical theory. So I'm going to like learn the rules ba- from the beginning. So I, I kind of just like mimic the sound right now, but I don't, I don't know the rules of it at all. So I'm, I'm going to try to get into that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it will just be one of those things. Like I will probably practice it in a pretty unorganized way because that's usually how I do things. It's just like that. I sit with it and try like, Oh yeah, maybe if I move it like this and without like, it's just a long-term plan, but not like that. I planned out the days, but that's just mm-hmm. how practice worked for me yeah. over the years. So Another thing that I did like during the pandemic is that I try to practice soloing without looking at the bass because this is like a personal thing. But to me, like when looking at the fretboard, it created like, it was like uh, one more obstacle to get through because uh, I didn't really play what I heard. I let my fingers guide me to play what the fingers wanted instead of like where I really wanted to go. And then like, of course, I'm going to fail more in the beginning, but it, it was just like, I feel uh, more connected with the instrument in some kind of way. Like, I know it sounds kind of like a hippie thing, but uh, no. somehow it, it worked for me. That's awesome. And it also, it, I guess subconsciously, you're, you're familiarizing yourself with the fretboard even more than you already are on a on a technical yeah. level, but on a sort of spiritual level and musical level, you're just letting your hands go. Yeah, but it, somehow it was easier to see the fretboard when I was not looking at it. Like it was easier to visualize it in my head instead of like actually looking at the fretboard for some reason. So like it, it opened a lot of things for me. So like, uh, I don't know if anyone listening gets stuck, like that's something they should could consider trying. Like it worked for me. So yeah, it's a tip, I guess. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. I'm going to practice that too. Oh, so tell me about your very first gig. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, like uh, my first gig ever was like a piano thing, you know, like, you know, one of those things like when you went with a piano teacher and played one or something like at the end of, uh, at the end of the, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, end of the half year like oh yeah i've been working on this like now play this song for 30 seconds in front of your parents yeah. so that was i guess the first gig but then uh, my first bass gig i think i played for like uh um elderly people in a home oh cool or something like that yeah that's that's <laughs> rad I, I love that that's cool yeah, I mean, like all the, the gigs that I did in the beginning was like some of them were really bizarre. I remember like one of the weirdest ones were that I played for like um, also elderly people like in a swim hall. Uh, uh, like that we played like ballads for them while they were swimming in, with neon lights or something. It was just really like weird. <laughs> oh, wow. How old were you? uh probably 16 or 17 or something like that i don't know but uh <laughs> very cool what kind of things did you play like uh, in the beginning you just like took whatever gig you you got Absolutely. and like yeah you always learn something from it so 
Right. What do you think you learned from that one? Uh, probably that that was not what I wanted to do in life. <laughs> oh, be the be the uh, the pool boy with the bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So let's talk um about dirty loops. Um, yeah. How did that all come about? It was like I went to school with those guys since forever. Like I'd known Jonah since he was like since I was twelve and he was ten or something like that, and Aaron since I was fifteen years old. So uh, we went to I went to to three different schools with Jonah and two different schools with Aaron. And it was like at the last school uh, where we kind of like you know started to get session gigs, and uh, it, it was basically Aaron's idea that it was like yeah let's do a trio like where we just like play play everything that we would get fired from playing anywhere else <laughs> you know like everything like you could be as over the top as you want to and it was just like you know fun if it, it felt like you know that you did something forbidden kind of and oh, i got it i get it and, yeah. and, that, and that energy was just really nice because everybody was really supportive it was definitely you know like everybody said yes to everything and like, let's go for it. And it was just like that nice energy around it. So we didn't really have any plan. Like none of us thought that that project was something we were going to work with later on. It was just like for fun. And, uh, after like we did that for two years or something, we put up a video on YouTube that kind of like went semi viral and, you know, people started reaching out to us and then we were like, Oh, maybe we could actually do this because, we put it up so to have like a booking reference so that we could show people like this is what we sound like if anyone knew if uh, because we tried to like get our first gig or something. Right. But uh, the first gigs with Erlos were also weird because we only played, you know, those like posh clubs in Stockholm. Nice. Were you <laughs> wearing a tuxedo <laughs> or a collared shirt? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like... Uh, those nightclubs and it was like everything was like in between 126 to 130 BPM because all the hit songs were like in that tempo 10 right. years ago yeah. or like, yeah, around 2010, like when it was, and everything was like three group, like, <laughs> so it was like a bunch of that, that we kind of like, you know, screwed around with. So, so that's how it all began. Okay. And then yeah. from then on, from then on, I mean, you, you did a record, you've done, yeah. you've done tours. Um, what was the first actual tour that you got to do? Uh, it was, it was after the first record. We didn't tour much at all. And it was like a headline tour. We, I think we did like a hundred and 120 gigs or something that year. Very. Cool. And then we haven't, hadn't really, like we had a tour in 2015 and then we were kind of like, not doing anything for a while and now we're looking to do like a massive tour again because okay. now we're released a lot of new material since last time so originals as well right yeah uh we were actually working on like some new stuff again now so like it's been the pandemic's been kind of good for us in that way because we started like making more music so yeah it seems like uh a lot of us have taken advantage of that part of the pandemic Thankfully, yeah. I can't wait to hear all the music that's going to come out of it. No, I mean, like, it's probably like when everything opens up, I guess everybody's going to be more grateful about like that you could do it as well. Like it was something that you took more for granted before. Right. And uh, yeah, it's right. just uh, I think it's going to be awesome, like seeing a lot of bands again and, you know, go to a festival and stuff like that, you know, things you really took for granted. 
that you can do and then you haven't been able to do it for two years. Yes, sir. I, I agree with that 10 million percent. Um, how did the collaboration with Corey Wong happen? Uh, he basically reached out to us and we're like, hey, you want to record something? And we were like, yeah, sure. Like, sounds like a great idea. And uh, then, it, huh? uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really like that simple. It was just like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and then we, you know, <laughs> just did it. It was like really, it was kind of easy going. It was just like, yeah, here are some songs uh, that he sent over to us. And like, yeah, we sent him some songs and then we just recorded them. And it was just like, no fuss. Was it, uh, was it remote? Or yeah, was yeah, it, everything it, was remote. I never met him in real life at all. Oh, really? Yeah, which Man. is kind of weird. Technology, <laughs> technology. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did, okay, I did a... um. I haven't released it yet, but I have a whole full album that I did this last year with uh, one of my Instagram friends. And oh, cool. We did this whole funk, weird project. I've never met the guy, but we did an entire record, just wrote a bunch of songs. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, I'll put it out. But yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you should. Uh, it's really good that you have those kind of like possibilities now. Yeah. So. Why not go for it? Yes, sir. What about gear? What kind of basses do you play? Uh, I play Swedish basses. Like it's a guy named uh, Anders Madison. Uh, just, they're called Madison Bass, so they're custom built basses. So okay. I really like him. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about it? Are they, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, I'm not familiar <laughs> with them, so yeah, that's all right. Uh, yeah, the main <laughs> it's these kind of bases, and I dig them. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you compare them to? Are they active bases? Are they five uh, yeah, strings? Yeah, they're, they're active, most of them. Uh, but the main base is a six string uh, that's like uh, has it has EMG pickups. I think there are you could split them. So I play them in single coils, but they look like humbuckers. So like if okay. I pull a switch, they go into become humbuckers, but nice. I like it more in sing single coils somehow. And then I have like, yeah, it's a three band EQ on it. And, uh, it's, uh, what's it called? Single cut as well. Okay. Uh, and next through, and then I have some other, like a Frankenstein bass that's basically kind of a jazz bass, but with uh, two jazz pickups and a P pickup as well. Kind of oh. like the old Stu Ham bass oh, from wow. Fender. Okay. So, uh, because it was just like, it was useful to kind of be able to switch between jazz and P without having to bring two instruments. So right. I wanted to have, have that thing. So and does it sound, I mean, is it pretty legit? Yeah, I, I think Sounds so. Like it's more it does sound more like a jazz bass than a P bass because it has the jazz body and the jazz neck. Uh but uh I don't know, like uh, I never get used to the P necks because I have uh, two small hands. They are like, my hands they are, are pretty small. wide. Yeah. Yeah. So I always felt like kind of uncomfortable playing them. So if I ever had there I don't even own a real P bass, but if I had one I probably would want to have like a J, J neck on yeah. it anyway. I, I think I'm with you on that for sure. Um, why the six string? And how did you get into playing the six string? Because I know when you were a kid, you just didn't grab a six string. Your hand no. definitely wouldn't fit on that bad boy. <laughs> no, I played, like it was in school. I played four string first year, five string next year, and six string the year after that. But I think the teacher I had had a six string and I looked up uh, to him a lot. So 
Very I cool. basically got the same bass as him that, that he got because I found one used that was really cheap for that bass. Okay. So, so it was awesome. Like, uh, it, it was like a Yamaha uh, TRB 6P, like the first version of it. Nice. And, and uh, it's a really nice bass, I think. Um, you still have it? But, uh, uh, yeah, but it's... I borrowed it to a friend and he had it for 10 years. So I have never like bothered to get it back. But uh, <laughs> I think you it gave it to him at this point. I'm pretty sure yeah. he's just going to keep it. <laughs> That's cool. But, um, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like in their loops, I kind of need the six string because I play a lot of the, the, on both of the, on the B string and on the lighter strings as well, because it's a trio. Doing, so I get right. to do a lot. There. You're doing a lot of chordal stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, very cool. I dig what you guys do for sure. Oh, Everybody out there so listening, much. make sure you check out Dirty Loops. Um, what about strings? What kind of strings do you use? I use uh, DR Pure Blues strings, but they're kind of like a little custom made because the bass is also 33 inch. So it has a heavier B string. So it. it has a 135 B string. But other than that, it's just like uh, the standard gauges. Is gauges how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay. You got it. Bingo. Gold star cool. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use any effects or anything like that? Uh, yeah, with Derlux, I use an XFX3 when I uh, play live That because we play with tracks. So then it basically changes all the sounds for me. And then I use, uh, I will build a bigger board, but I really like the three leaf audio effects. I like the stomp boxes, the Octaver and the envelope filter. I'm going to like, Whenever I can get it in Sweden, I'm gonna get the UR UR Doom, two or whatever it's called. Like what it's a that, fuzz pedal. That's, oh, a fuzz pedal. It's okay. uh, yeah, it's uh, but it has like kind of a synthy tone tone uh, that I really like. Uh, so I'm gonna try to get that one as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, then I have like some synthesizer pedals as well. But it's not most of the stuff is from the XFX. But then it's just like some uh, pedals that I like the colors from. Nice. Okay. What uh, what really got you into experimenting with effects? Uh, I don't know. Like I needed it for their loops. It was just like you know, yeah, this song needs this sound. How do I get it? So like it was it. because of that, I guess a lot. So Out of necessity. A lot of, okay. Yeah, the songs didn't never like uh, you know that I sat with effects and like had that as a as a tool for writing, which could probably be cool at some point, but. Uh, I just didn't do it that way. Like, uh, it was always like, okay, this song sounds like this. What could I add? And then, then I used whatever, uh, like, uh, if I had a vision of something, I try to like go for that sound and, uh, any kind of multi-effect is really like, uh, if you're into them, like they're good for that because you have like a lot of sounds, right. uh, at your disposal. But, uh, I mean, it's also a different thing with pedals. I think they sound very different, like depending on if you have an active or passive bass. With a passive bass, uh, they trigger. I think most pedals are tried on passive basses because it seems to trigger way better uh, on passive basses. Yeah. So they yeah. can't handle the power mostly of the uh, of the <laughs> active basses. Too much power. But yeah. But I don't know what it is also like maybe it's like you know that they're that they're like dialed in with the frequencies of a p bass or a jazz bass like that's probably like if I would make a pedal I would probably try you know on the basis that p 
people play the most. So yeah, you have a good point there. And uh, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, what about what about amps? Uh, I play EBS amps, like what is it called? Eight hundred two. Uh, it's a new head from EBS that's really, I, I think, is great. And then the Proline four by four tire four ten uh, cabs. How many? Uh, how also many, from EBS. How many? I usually have like two in a stack or something, but okay. uh, like, uh, uh, yeah. But it depends. Also, like those amps are really great for the Derlux music, and uh, and probably like they don't sound vintage at all. So, like, if right. you're into that, like, I would recommend something else. But they sound good for the Derlux stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say your tone is a uh, fairly. I guess modern. Yeah, it's pretty bright. Yeah. Usually with Dern Loops it is. In, uh, I mean, that's also like with situations when I play with other artists, you know, like then you might ha have to like dial in a completely different tone and play a passive bass. And, you know, like if you want a, another kind of sound, like it's a kind of particular sound that like, yeah, uh, cuts through the mix a lot. And sometimes you don't want that. And then you have to go for something else. Right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> what uh who would you like to work with anybody uh yeah i mean like one person i would like to work with is brad meldow but i doubt he would want to work with me but <laughs> you're putting it uh, out just, in the world right now throwing it out uh, there sorry i said you're throwing it out there into the universe right now yeah no i'm a big fan of his stuff and uh, been for a long time so yeah that would probably be my dream collaboration okay what what do you what could you see you guys doing together? What kind of thing? Uh, I would probably just like try to not destroy whatever he made. Like, <laughs> <laughs> awesome man. What do you see? Uh, what do you see yourself doing beyond Dirty Loops? Uh, right now, I kind of like picture myself doing a lot more Dirty Loops than I did the last years. Uh, it seems like. Uh, the band is in a really good place and it's just a lot of fun. So that's the thing I'm going to probably like going to be my main focus for a while now. Okay. But uh, I don't know, like I, I would probably do whatever, like weird stuff. That's like not like dirt loops at all other than that. But uh, yeah, I think like until Christmas, I'm going to focus it work a lot with dirt loops. I have like some side gigs, you know, with people, but it's not my music. Really, it's just, you know, like that I jump in as a bass player and that's a lot of fun because they're good players and everything. But it's uh, like, yeah, when you have your own thing, it's kind of like means more to you in, in a way. Absolutely. I get it. I totally get that. What uh, are there any up and coming bass players that inspire you now? Yeah, I mean, there is like uh, what's uh, Mikel Pipokinia, but he's not like up and coming. He's young, yeah. but he's been around for a long time. Like Adrian Ferrell is uh, like both of those guys are really, you know, like uh, you kind of feel like really inspired. And then at the same time, you feel like kind of like giving up when you hear them. <laughs> like it's that like fine line. But uh, I think they're, but I mean, there's a lot of bass players that inspire me. Those were just like the first two that came to the top of my head. But I think they're really, you know, pushing the instrument a lot. And uh, yeah, they're just really, really good, I think. I agree with you. They're amazing, phenomenal players. Is there, uh, so for, 
for bass players that might just be starting out, what would you recommend? What's the first thing you would recommend them to do? They pick up a bass. Uh, it's just like, you know, set a goal to learn like some song that you really like. I think like in the beginning, it's all about, you know, having as much fun with the instrument as possible and not think about like everything you have to do. It's just like play a lot and, uh, and have fun with it. So, I mean, that's probably like how you're going to learn the most in the beginning. Anyway, it's just, if you enjoy sitting with the instrument and that it's okay to fail uh, and just like go for it, that would be my main advice for young bass players. That's great advice. I think um, a lot of, of what I've learned and whether it's right or wrong has, has been learned by just experimentation. Yeah, I agree for me too. And, uh, when, when, when you're in an environment where it's kind of okay to sound super bad when you try things, (laughs) it's really, it's way easier to, to get there. Oh yeah, for sure, man. And, and I, I would say too, to people is don't be afraid of it. Just it's okay if no, you sound no. like crap. Yeah, you know, while you're really learning and trying things out and just have fun with it. I I agree with that. I, um, I mean, it also like it probably gets to a point like when you hire to a gig, you like you know gotta know like when it's the time to experiment with things as well. Like sometimes you kind of need to play it safe as well. I guess. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You. We we learn the business part of that, which would be, you know, just like if you're going to work at the office, you know, you have your dress code and you have your duties and, uh, yeah. otherwise you get canned. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You have a favorite baseline, man. Oh, uh, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of them out there, but. I liked, uh, like, it's a synth bass line, but I liked, uh, I think it's Greg Fillingales that played uh, on We Can Work It Out with Sugar Khan. I think that's a really great bass line. I love that bass line. Yeah, yeah. And it's, Greg, it's really Greg is a monster. Yeah. He's, like, genius. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is awesome. Um, what, uh, let me, th- give me one second here. Make sure I'm not missing anything on here. Um. So you're doing the doing another Dirty Loops record. Anything that people can expect from it? Uh, I don't know. Like it will probably sound as Dirty Loops somehow, but uh, I I don't really know how it will end up. It's kind of like you you never know when you start something. Like uh, uh, is it still in, direction? in the beginning yeah, stages in, of it? Yeah, it's in the in the first stages of it. Okay, let's. Why don't we talk about um um your guys process in writing and recording uh, yeah uh it's usually like when we write songs we try to keep the songs very simple in the beginning and uh you know like it's usually not a lot of information we just focus on like getting the melody down and like uh, to have the vision of like the entire song and then we start to like arrange it more like and go into what kind of vibe it's going to be and then you start to add more and more crazy things like that's usually the the process like start simple and then add more and more stuff to it okay is it a is it a evolutionary process in the in the midst of jams or is it, are you guys actually sitting no, down and thinking it's, about it's really not a lot of jams it's just it's very 
organized in in a way like that that we sit with it's usually that we sit with computers or like with a keyboard and write a song and then it, the last thing we do is to pick up our instruments and learn the songs afterwards and that kind of adds a layer to it as well because then when when that happens you usually like the song could take a very different shape when someone does something and that that part is usually not that planned out yeah it's a little planned out in a way but uh, then people add their stuff to it and I, I guess that's why it sounds like it does yeah very interesting i dig that what uh what do you want people to know about you that they may not know about you Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know like i'm half german Maybe that's something people don't know. <laughs> All right, you hear it first. <laughs> <laughs> like the worst info ever. Like breaking news. Cares at all? <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't think of anything. No, it's all good, man. You crack me up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're on uh, you're on Instagram, right? What's your Instagram uh, page? Uh, it's it's just my name, Henrik Linder. Okay. So like. Go check it out. Uh, yes, check it out. Are you pretty active in in? Uh, do you communicate with fans and, and different people on there as well? A little bit. Uh, I'm not on there like all the time, but uh, because I kind of go crazy if I do. But uh, I don't know. Eventually, I like you know like if it, I usually do like Q and A's maybe every or every another week because i think it's fun like to google weird pictures to go with answers <laughs> so like yeah uh, uh, i do that that's probably more for me though because i really enjoy doing it and uh like <laughs> i i try to communicate with people but i mean i i i can't answer everybody because i wouldn't do anything then right i get that i get that well dude thank you so much for hanging uh, I appreciate yeah, thanks you. a lot. Like it was, it was really fun to be here. Yeah, um, can't wait to hear the new record. And uh, everybody, check out Dirty Loops. When do you expect that to come out? I don't know. Like I don't know if it will be an EP or a record or whatever it will be. It's just like we're working on some new stuff, and uh, I'll see what happens. What what will happen? But uh, yeah, I, I don't know yet. Like okay. it's your say. Right on, man. Well, I definitely appreciate you. And uh, that's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Stay healthy, stay kind, spread love and good vibes and inspiration. And remember, you got this. Follow your path and just play. I'm Josh Paul. Hope to see you all out there sometime soon. And uh, thank you to Dunlop for making this show possible. Check out Bass Freaks wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers. Cheers.